It is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today, presented to you by good friends over at Shady Rays. That's right, they got a great look for you. And one thing I love about the product, if you lose them, if you break them, they'll replace them. It's a great little slogan. The only reason I'm not wearing mine today is because I looked so good when I was driving my car yesterday. I left them in my car, so I don't have them with me. That's the way I roll. How you doing, Ploofy? Wow, you do look good today, and I'm not wearing my Shady Rays because it's cloudy out here in Southern California. I know. I love it. I love waking up to a nice morning mist, misty mountain top, if you will. Uh, I'm ready to talk some baseball with my good friend C. Rose. I'm going to miss you tomorrow. It'll be yes. me and Joe's McFly here, um, and we're going to have a good time, but we'll miss yes, you, Dad, you know? Yeah, don't worry. I'll be, I'll be off doing another project for, for John Boy Media, so can't quite fit this in the schedule, but I'm sure you and Joe's will – Handle things and provide great entertainment. That's what it's all about. Uh, before we do get going, special shout out to Just Call Me Kai, who in the comments section of our YouTube channel said um, he's he's putting together a hat list of every hat I have worn since the start of this show, which was May 3rd of 2021. So we just celebrated our one year anniversary. He gave a list of minor league hats of my son's baseball team hat. The days I went no hat, the day I went John Boy Media hat, and then he broke it down, American and National League as well. And so one of the least represented teams, apparently, according to Kai, was the Minnesota Twins, who I've only donned one time on this show until today. That's that's not acceptable. You know that's where my allegiance lies. That's where I grew up and became a man. I think you need to show some more respect to the twin cities. I got to be honest with you. It's not a question of showing respect to these teams. I usually try and pick a team we're going to talk about in one of our five topics on the YouTube or the podcast. Uh, And just sometimes, even though we have talked about the twins more than once or twice on this show, because we just did it yesterday, we're going to do it again today. Just sometimes I go with a different hat. Uh, According to Kai, I've never worn a Dodgers hat, which I'm not so sure about. I haven't worn a Rangers hat. And that's because of one thing that I'll talk about at some other point has nothing to do with the Rangers. You hate the organization? No, not having to do with the fact I don't have a great Rangers hat. I've got like a spring training crappy hat, Mm. but I will wear that one day. I have never seen you wear a Dodgers hat. I think I can confirm that. I I would remember that. The Dodger hat sticks out to me, I guess, growing up here in that Dodger blues. So beautiful. I'll find one. one. Don't worry and get to it. Okay. Let's get to uh, the New York Mets who won while losing another one of their studs. We don't know for how long. Max Scherzer is getting an MRI today on his left side in the sixth inning after throwing a pitch to the St. Louis Cardinals. Said, I'm done. Pulled himself out of the game. He says he thinks he got himself out of the game before there was any sort of major damage. But if you're a fan of a team that has already had Jacob DeGrom not throw a pitch this year, and his replacement, Tyler McGill, who was off to a really solid start, end up on the injured list, how are you feeling today? You're not feeling good. That's for sure. It's a little bit scary, you know, especially with the side. Now we don't have all the information out. You know, we can only pick through what he said post game and kind of watching the video. If it, the side is meaning probably oblique, I'd assume. And that's, that's a tough one. Okay. And I I've done it to both sides. So I have some experience here for me, both times that I pulled my oblique, it started off with like a little bit of like, almost like a bruising kind of pain. You, you just don't think anything of it. You think maybe there's just, a little bit of tightness there, whatever. But when you're playing baseball, when you're doing anything in life, in fact, uh, you're using your oblique. So 
it's one of those things that you got to take care of. Even if it's a minor thing, they go, they're going to get imaging this morning. If it comes back and there's just like a minor something on his oblique, that's a good month that he's not going to be pitching for you. Like you said, we already have McGill out. Um, DeGrom, we don't know the timetable. It seems like it's down the road a little bit, maybe like around the all-star game, something like that. The good news is, now I just said you're feeling bad, but the good news is, Chris, you point this out all the time. No one's running away with that NL East. So, you know, if there needs to be time where they're going to be without basically their three top dogs, I know Bassett's probably earned his spot there too, but if they're going to be without those three guys, at least they've given themselves some sort of comfortable lead. They can tread water here, wait for these guys to get back, and they should wait until they are 100% healthy. Uh, there's still plenty of time for them to come back, establish themselves atop the division, and then playoffs. It's brutal. It's brutal because Mets fans are kind of waiting – they're kind of peering around the other corner, you know, even though they're optimistic about their team because of all the great signings they made in the offseason and how well they've played so far through the first six weeks. You're always looking around the corner if you're a Mets fan. That's just the way you are, and I get it. I understand it. Um, where Yankees fans these days are beating their chests about, you know, their best start since 98, and they're feeling good, and nobody's going to stop us, and this is the greatest Yankee team ever. That's the way they feel about themselves Mets fans even though they're off to a great start themselves they're all like yeah but I called them the yeah but team yeah but and here's the but but something else goes wrong here so it's just going to be up to whomever they can put in there to go figure it out and give them five innings a game instead of the seven that Scherzer usually gives you it's actually up to the offense to pick it up because they are reasonably healthy on that side of the baseball. So that means Pete Alonso has still got to be golfing four irons like he did last night to left center field for a home run. That means Francisco Lindor has got to go back to what he was the first three weeks of the year and not the last three weeks. And that's what they need. If they need to go score six runs a game to go win instead of rely on their starting pitching, so be it. Yeah, they got to tread water somehow. They got to figure it out. <clears throat> and, like, <clears throat> and like I said, no one's running away with, or they're the ones running away with the division. Nobody else is even over 500 at this point. So uh, they have a little bit of a cushion there. And I think that's one thing you can take solace in as a Mets fan and just pray that none of this shit is serious. And we're going to get our guys back, you know, July, whatever. Uh, in that same game, Albert Pujols got two more knocks and he got his 117th stolen base of his career. But let's focus on the base hits. It gets him into the top 10 of the all-time list. Now, Albert has said this is his last season. Should the commissioner, I know we're still two months away, but should the commissioner make a special exemption and put pool holes on the all-star team out in Los Angeles? I never gave any thought to this until you sent that question over, but 100%, I really believe he should. And I don't think anybody in baseball would have a problem with it for a couple of different reasons. One, he's our pool holes and what he's done is amazing. He's a first ballot hall of famer Two, He's actually having a pretty good year. He's back in St. Louis, uh, the all-star games in LA where he played for a brief amount of time, like everything kind of lines up. And I, I believe this has already happened. Cal Ripken did this right. And he had the special Cal moment yeah. in the all-star game hits the Homer. So yeah, man, this is, this is really good, Chris. I hope that this becomes a thing and we get to see Albert in that all-star game. Cause we'll be there. Yes, we will. Um, yes, it did happen in 2001 in Seattle. With two players, it was Cal Ripken Jr. and it was Tony Gwynn, although I believe that Tony Gwynn did not play because of injury. Mm -hmm. But he was all suited, and it was just great for him to be around all those guys, and it was probably even better for those young guys to be around Tony Gwynn and be his teammate for a day. 
And yeah, I mean, there were still, I could tell you this because I remember I was on, I was working for Fox at the time, but I was in Michigan doing a bunch of golf interviews, uh, getting ready for the British Open, I believe. I, I really think that's what where I was on that particular day. And I remember watching the game by myself in a hotel room in some little dorky Michigan town and um, watching it. And I was like, oh, my God, because Chanho Park put it right on a tee for him, right on a tee. And everybody's like, oh, he fed him a fastball. And why are they doing that? They're making a mockery of the game. I'm like, it's the fucking all-star game, making a mockery <laughs> of the game. Like, this is what we want to see. It's still, even if somebody throws 92 down the middle, you still have to hit it over the fence, Bloof. You still got to hit it. And you can't ever call Cal Ripken Jr. anything close to a mockery to the game. The guy has the one record that will never, oh. ever, ever be touched again. He's a stud. Uh, I believe he had at that point, let me get my bat over here. He had like the this batting stance where bat was down here, right? And then just kind of brought it to the zone. At that point of his career, he was changing his stances all the time. But I, I definitely remember that homer too. Is in Baltimore, yeah. correct? What? Was it in Baltimore? No, it was in Seattle. Seattle, that's right. Yeah, it was in, it was in Baltimore in 19... 19- I was your MVP that year. Don't get me started on all-star game trivia. That's my, that's my okay. jam right there. I'm all over that sort of shit. Um, but yes, it, it, to answer the question, 1,000%. I know somebody hates that because somebody put it in the comments. There is no 1,000%. There's only 100%. So I'm going to say 1,000% just to tick you off a little bit, give it to you, um, that he should be out there in Los Angeles. No question. He's not going to take somebody's roster spot. Commissioner, come on out. Just say, hey, we're making a special exemption. And people might say, well, can't we do that every year somebody retires? Well, when a guy who's done what he's done in the game retires, yep, you sure can. Because it's an all-star game. Well, do you get Yacht? is Yachty in there now too? No. Yachty, Yachty is great a player as he is. Right. you got to draw the line somewhere. And <laughs> I mean, I agree correct? with you. I think Albert's a no-brainer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, CC, good call, Dan Rourke. He got that uh, – CC came out in part because the game was in Cleveland where he started his career in 2019. So I think he came out and did like a pitching change. He didn't pitch. He came out and was – which was a, a nice moment as well. I like these things. I'm all about that sort of stuff. But I want to see Albert getting at bat. That's the difference here. I don't, I don't think I watched one pitch of baseball in 2019. That was the last year I suited it up, and I couldn't s- stand to watch any baseball games. So I don't even remember that. The Dan just brought that up. Mm-hmm. Good job, Dan. Good job. All right, uh, Bryce Harper. We got a little more news on his elbow issue. Non-throwing program extended at least another six weeks. So if you just do the math here, the Phillies are going to be lucky if they get him back playing in right field by the end of July. And even that sounds optimistic. So disappearing strictly as a DH for the next two and a half months or whatever it's going to be, make you change your thoughts on this team at all. This Phillies team puts my head in a pretzel, Chris, you know, you and I, you and I both got our dream girls and I've, rarely ever got i don't think i ever got turned down by a girl but i'd imagine this is what it's like wow you like this girl yeah you like this girl and you do all these things you say nice things about her and then she doesn't treat you right and then you kind of go away and then you're like no i really like that girl that's i keep going back and forth with this Phillies team i still like this team i think there's some dog in that clubhouse 
And now we got the Mets situation. We keep referencing the NL East is kind of getting all jumbled up. They're all under 500 except the Mets. And now the Mets lose Scherzer. I think there is just this weird path for them. I keep, I keep seeing it. Um, so I think it obviously affects them. We know the defense has been an issue, you know, for a long time there. They got to find a They got to find a way to just keep going. I don't know. It, it's, I can't quit the Phillies. It's not enough for me to say they're gone. They're not going to be there. I think they're going to be there at the end of the season. And I don't even really have a good reason as to why I've referenced the starting pitching before. I do like the starting pitching. It's been, been pretty good. I guess mm-hmm. I'd give them a pretty good. Yep. Um, so they got to, I would say they need to step it up even more now. Uh, but I can't quit these Phillies. I cannot right. quit them. So the first thing you think of when you hear this is, oh, my God, Schwarber and Castellanos have to play outfield every They've been doing it. day. And they have been doing it. Well, Schwarber kicked the ball the other day. Was it against the Padres? I think he let one go all the way to the wall. Or well, something. I didn't say they were doing it well. I said they're right. doing it throughout their right. outfield. I, I do wonder how that mentally affects those guys because they, they thought going into the season, okay, I'll be an outfielder part-time. Or, you know, they probably go into the season thinking a certain number in their head of games where they're going to have to be an outfielder and games where they're going to have to be a DH. Some guys hate being a DH. Um, Some guys have a tough time adjusting to it. I think these guys would be fine with it. And now they've got to be everyday outfielders. And I don't know if that affects you when you go to the plate. Does it? Not those guys. Some people it would, but if you're established like they are and like, you know, those two personalities, Schwarber and Castellanos, very confident in their abilities. And I got to say this, they're going to work. And they're going to try to get as good as they can. I know like, that we've seen a big sample size. We know what they can do out there. But I think they're going to approach the game. Uh, I think they're going to play d- deep a lot, keep the ball in front of them, just get the ball into the infield. We're not trying to you know, go out there and make a bunch of diving catches or save a bunch of runs that way. We're just going to try to keep the ball in front of us uh, so we're not giving up a lot of those extra base hits. I believe that's probably how they're going to approach it. But I, I, I don't think it will affect either one of those guys offensively at all, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I'm just curious about it. I don't know, man. I'm rooting hard for them. I say this like once a week. I want the sport's best players playing in the game's biggest moments, which means October. I want to see Bryce Harper get back there. Hopefully, the rest of the team can get it going a little bit. We'll see. It's just here's the nice thing for them is that nobody has established themselves as a good second-place team in that division. I don't know if it's the Braves. I don't know if it's the Phillies. I don't know if it's the surprising Marlins. I know who it isn't, the Washington Nationals, and that's about it. Mm. Speaking of, mm. Buster only brought up the possibility of Washington listening to offers for Juan Soto, who is a free agent after the 2024 season. What percent chance do you give the Nats of shipping away their superstar this summer? Not in the offseason, but this summer. I'm going to give myself some leeway here. I'm going to say it's a 1% chance because I'm going to go a completely different route, okay? We've mm-hmm. seen this situation kind of um, come about before with the Marlins and Giancarlo Stanton. The learners, the, the, the family that owns the Nationals, apparently they're looking to sell the team. Uh, Rizzo is uh, the GM's last year of his contract. I think that they might – get or Boris might get a hold of them and say, look, if you want to sell your team, it's really fun to have a superstar like Juan Soto attached to it. So Loria did it with Stanton. They gave him that massive deal in Miami. They backloaded the hell out of it, knowing that they, that that ownership wasn't going to pay for it. Then they sold the team. I believe the same thing could happen here. I believe they could Mm. find a number that works for Juan Soto. 
backload it, and then attach him to the sale of the team, saying, look, we got you a superstar. He's one of the best hitters in the game, maybe of all time. And here you go. Give me some extra money for my team. I think that might happen. I really, really believe that. We've seen, like I said, we've seen it before, and Boris knows that, and you know he's thinking it. Well, I mean, what is the number that's going to get this done and how heavy is that backloading going to be? Because we both think it's going to be well over 400 million, right? Sure. If you're selling the team, what does it matter to you? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what Loria did. And you can talk about he's a, a not a nice guy, Loria, but he was a dang good businessman because he turned that franchise into a big profit for himself. Shady, yes, but this is what he did. That's a real interesting way of, of looking at it. Um, so I, I give it less than 5% chance as well of happening this summer. I just don't see it. Uh, I, I didn't think about it in the terms that you did, but I think that's the smartest way to go about it because we just tend to think of it in baseball terms. Like, well, what could you get that would possibly equate to Juan Soto? Like, nothing. No prospects. No prospects can equate to Juan Soto. Has there ever been a player traded under the age of 25 who is already this good? Like where you know you are trading a future Hall of Famer. Sometimes you have an idea that like you're, you're trading a pretty good play, right? The Nats knew they were trading Max Scherzer as a Hall of Famer, but they were trading him as a 36 or 37-year-old pitcher, and they attached Trey Turner to that. I'm talking about uh, trading a guy who hasn't even reached the peak of his career yet, but you know that we'll see him in Cooperstown. I like... I do a double take every time I'm on Juan Soto's baseball reference page. First of all, he's 23 years old. Second of all, he has a 429 career OBP. That's incredible. I, I, I get it. You can say, well, they're just walking him, and that's what he's, you know. No, dude. When they were good and people were around him, he still had that. Okay, he's even he's actually lower right now. He's 393. That's bad for him. It's a bad OBP for you, Juan Soto. 393 is disgusting. Put a four in front of that thing. Gosh dang it. I, I don't know. I, I don't see them trading him because, like, like you said, what do you? What can you get for him that makes it worthwhile? Nothing. Nothing. And in your an franchise, farm I mean, system. Yeah. I, I I believe that there's going to be an extension made, and I think Boris maybe he's going to listen to this show. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, Trev. Good idea. Yeah, I'm sure that's what'll come out of his mouth. <laughs> I've seen him at like the last three baseball games I've gone to. I think. Well, I'll, maybe I'll bring this up to him. Say, hey, buddy. And then maybe he'll give me a commission. That will be tight. Mm -hmm. Yep. I see all that happening. Yeah. All of it. Mm -hmm. uh, last thing, uh, more memorable play at Coors Field yesterday. Uh, Brian Servant, who was making his major league debut on the first pitch he ever swung at in the major leagues, the ball ends up in the hands of. Now I'm still. Audit in the air or it landed in the section and somebody realized it was his family and handed it to him, but somehow it ended up in their possession. Or ball dude, what happens when he finally realizes, oh my God, I just picked up a ball that's in play. I mean, it is just, it's like the sit of shame, if you will, down the left field line. Which one caught your attention more? Well, the family one, I think. That's just a really, really cool moment. I mean, you're, you don't need, you're not even thinking of anything like that when you're, you know, you're watching your son or your brother or whatever debut you're so focused and all of a sudden you get the first pitch he ever swings. That's a very special baseball right there. That's a very, very special baseball. So I really feel for that. The guy that the, um, the guy down the line, does he get in trouble for that? Is there any, like, does he get reprimanded? Well, 
I mean, he made or a just embarrassment. It's like if you make an error in the game, do they immediately send you down? Do you lose your Sometimes. jobs? Sometimes, Sometimes, yeah, Chris, that's how it freaking works. Dude. Yeah, but usually it's not one play. Usually, but that one might be the finishing touch. No, I don't want this guy to get reprimanded. I just am curious if there's like some code of ethics or, you know, some guidelines they have to follow. I don't know. By the way, it was going to be a double anyway. It's going to be a stand-up double. If anything, it might have saved the Rockies a base if it kicks the wrong way. And I don't know. I like that he just picked it up and just tossed it in the stands. Very yes. nonchalant. I've done this a million times. Here you go. But then when he turns around, he realizes it. And, you know, glove goes over face. He's like, oh, oh, my God. You ever have one of those embarrassing moments? Oh, of course, dude. Yeah. Um, Anaheim playing second base. Kevin Slowey on the mound, my guy, I believe. Slowey. Uh, go to turn or go get the force out at second. Bam. I thought the ending was over. Uh, turns out it was only one out before that. So I didn't turn the double play and the inning continued and they scored some runs because of it. And that was, <sighs> and it was like a tailor made double play, like easy, easy turn. Tough one. Good one. Way to keep your head in the game there, Ploof. Nice Atta work. Boy. Yeah. I was not good either at the time. That You talk about wanting to get sent down. Like, I think I probably did get sent down pretty quickly after that. <laughs> what do you have coming up on uh, John Boy Media? So we are recording Talking Baseball, the series recap that usually is live tomorrow. We're going to do that today. I don't think mm. it's going to be live. There's some, some stuff that you guys are going to be doing tomorrow that won't allow us to be live. So uh, I got that coming up. And then, yeah, me and Joe's will be here. I'll be hosting tomorrow on Baseball Today and on AMP, uh, the YouTube page for Baseball Today and on the AMP app. So that's what I got, man. What about you? Latest episode of the Rose Rotation is out with Logan Webb, who threw it. Jam, but got, got a nose field. Uh, he's very, very funny in the episode. Uh, sneaky funny. Tells some great stories. We put one out about Brandon Belt and the whole captain's shtick that he does. Uh, he talks about the Dodgers and why he does not hate them. Really interesting kind of philosophy on that. Um, I mentioned before his his fandom growing up in Northern California, A's, Raiders, Sacramento Kings. Uh, we spend a lot of time on that and, you know, what drives him in the offseason, how he's still ticked that somebody on the team beat him in fantasy football. He's really good. It, it's, uh, it, you know, you, you haven't heard much from Logan Webb other than the dude's nasty out there. So uh, hopefully that opened your eyes a little bit. I think it's a conversation everybody will certainly enjoy. So there you go. Awesome. And I appreciate Joe's getting out there. And for people who are wondering, well, when are we going to be talking about the Twins? We're going to be talking about them live on the AMP app coming your way. So you can download that on your iPhone. Code word is baseball today. That way you can join the conversation every Monday through Friday, 1130 a.m. Eastern for an hour. But if not, we appreciate you joining us, whether you're consuming us via however you download your podcast or on the YouTube channel. For our outstanding producer, Dan Rourke and T. Ploof, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday with Joe's McFly on Baseball Today.